0: Chapter Six, Part One of *Crime and Punishment* by Fyodor Dostoevsky, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Six, Part One. But as soon as she went out, he got up, latched the door undid the parcel which razumihin had brought in that evening and had tied up again and began dressing strange to say he seemed immediately to have become perfectly calm not a trace of his recent delirium nor of the panic fear that had haunted him of late it was the first moment of a strange sudden calm his movements were precise and definite a firm purpose was evident in them Today, today, he muttered to himself He understood that he was still weak but his intense spiritual concentration gave him strength and self-confidence he hoped moreover that he would not fall down in the street when he had dressed in entirely new clothes he looked at the money lying on the table and after a moment's thought put it in his pocket it was twenty-five roubles he took also all the copper change from the ten roubles spent by razumihin on the clothes then he softly unlatched the door went out slipped downstairs and glanced in at the open kitchen door nastasia was standing with her back to him blowing up the landlady's samovars she heard nothing who would have dreamed of his going out indeed a minute later he was in the street it was nearly eight o'clock the sun was setting it was as stifling as before but he eagerly drank in the stinking dusty town air his head felt rather dizzy a sort of savage energy gleamed suddenly in his feverish eyes and his wasted pale and yellow face he did not know and did not think where he was going he had one thought only that all this must be ended to-day once for all immediately that he would not return home without it because he would not go on living like that how with what to make an end he had not an idea about it he did not even want to think of it he drove away thought thought tortured him all he knew all he felt was that everything must be changed one way or another he repeated with desperate and immovable self-confidence and determination from old habit he took his usual walk in the direction of the haymarket a dark-haired young man with a barrel-organ was standing in the road in front of a little general shop and was grinding out a very sentimental song he was accompanying a girl of fifteen who stood on the pavement in front of him she was dressed up in a crinoline a mantle and a straw hat with a flame-coloured leather in it all very old and shabby in a strong and rather agreeable voice cracked and coarsened by street singing she sang in hope of getting a copper from the shop raskolnikov joined two or three listeners took out a five-kopeck piece and put it in the girl's hand she broke off abruptly on a sentimental high note shouted sharply to the organ-grinder come on and both moved on to the next shop do you like street music said raskolnikov addressing a middle-aged man standing idly by him the man looked at him startled and wondering i'd love to hear singing to a street organ said raskolnikov and his manner seemed strangely out of keeping with the subject I like it on cold, dark, damp autumn evenings. They must be damp, when all the passers-by have pale, green, sickly faces. Or better still, when wet snow is falling straight down, when there's no wind. You know what I mean? And the street lamps shine through it. I don't know. Excuse me, muttered the stranger, frightened by the question and Raskolnikov's strange manner. And he crossed over to the other side of the street raskolnikov walked straight in and came out at the corner of the haymarket where the huckster and his wife had talked with lizaveta but they were not there now recognizing the place he stopped looked round and addressed a young fellow in a red shirt who stood gaping before a corn chandler's shop isn't there a man who keeps a booth with his wife at this corner all sorts of people keep booths here answered the young man glancing superciliously at raskolnikov what's his name what he was christened aren't you a Iski man too which province the young man looked at raskolnikov again it's not a province your excellency but a district graciously forgive me your excellency is that a tavern at the top there yes it's an eating-house and there's a billiard-room and you'll find princesses there too la la raskolnikov crossed the square in that corner there was a dense crowd of peasants he pushed his way into the thickest part of it looking at the faces he felt an unaccountable inclination to enter into conversation with people but the peasants took no notice of him they were all shouting in groups together he stood and thought a little and took a turning to the right in the direction of v he had often crossed that little street which turns at an angle leading from the market-place to sadovi street of late he had often felt drawn to wander about this district when he felt depressed that he might feel more so now he walked along thinking of nothing at that point there is a great block of buildings entirely let out in dram-shops and eating-houses women were continually running in and out bareheaded and in their indoor clothes here and there they gathered in groups on the pavement especially about the entrances to various festive establishments in the lower stories from one of these a loud din sounds of singing the tinkling of a guitar and shouts of merriment floated into the street a crowd of women were thronging round the door some were sitting on the steps others on the pavement others were standing talking a drunken soldier smoking a cigarette was walking near them in the road swearing he seemed to be trying to find his way somewhere but had forgotten where one beggar was quarrelling with another and a man dead drunk was lying right across the road raskolnikov joined the throng of women who were talking in husky voices they were bareheaded and wore cotton dresses and goatskin shoes there were women of forty and some not more than seventeen almost all had blackened eyes he felt strangely attracted by the singing and all the noise and uproar in the saloon below someone could be heard within dancing frantically marking time with his heels to the sounds of the guitar and of a thin falsetto voice singing a jaunty air he listened intently gloomily and dreamily bending down at the entrance and peeping inquisitively in from the pavement oh my handsome soldier don't beat me for nothing trilled the thin voice of the singer raskolnikov felt a great desire to make out what he was singing as though everything depended on that shall i go in he thought they are laughing from drink shall i get drunk won't you come in one of the women asked him her voice was still musical and less thick than the others she was young and not repulsive the only one of the group why she's pretty he said drawing himself up and looking at her she smiled much pleased at the compliment you're very nice-looking yourself she said isn't he thin though observed another woman in a deep bass have you just come out of a hospital they're all generals daughters it seems but they have all snubbed noses interposed a tipsy peasant with a sly smile on his face wearing a loose coat see how jolly they are oh go along with you i'll go sweetie and he darted down into the saloon below raskolnikov moved on i say sir the girl shouted after him what is it she hesitated i'll always be pleased to spend an hour with you kind gentleman but now i feel shy give me six kopecks for a drink there's a nice young man raskolnikov gave her what came first fifteen kopecks ah what a good-natured gentleman what's your name Ask for duklida well that's too much one of the women observed shaking her head at duklida i don't know how you can ask like that i believe i should drop with shame raskolnikov looked curiously at the speaker she was a pock-marked wench of thirty covered with bruises with her upper lips swollen she made her criticism quietly and earnestly where is it thought raskolnikov where is it i've read that someone condemned to death says or thinks an hour before his death that if he had to live on some high rock on such a narrow ledge that he'd only room to stand and the ocean everlasting darkness everlasting solitude everlasting tempest around him if he had to remain standing on a square yard of space all his life a thousand years eternity it were better to live so than to die at once only to live to live and live life whatever it may be how true it is good god how true man is a vile creature and vile is he who calls him vile for that he added a moment later he went into another street bah the palais de cristal razumihin was just talking of the palais de cristal but what on earth was it i wanted yes the newspapers zosimov said he'd read it in the papers have you the papers he asked going into a very spacious and positively clean restaurant consisting of several rooms which were however rather empty two or three people were drinking tea and in a room further away were sitting four men drinking champagne raskolnikov fancied that Zamatov was one of them but he could not be sure at that distance what if it is he thought will you have vodka asked the waiter give me some tea and bring me the papers the old ones for the last five days and i'll give you something oh yes sir here's to-day's no vodka the old newspapers and the tea were brought raskolnikov sat down and began to look through them oh damn these are the items of intelligence an accident on a staircase spontaneous combustion of a shopkeeper from alcohol a fire in pesky a fire in the petersburg quarter another fire in the petersburg quarter and another fire in the petersburg quarter ah here it is he found at last what he was seeking and began to read it the lines danced before his eyes but he read it all and began eagerly seeking later editions in the following numbers his hands shook with nervous impatience as he turned the sheets suddenly someone sat down beside him at his table he looked up it was the head clerk Zamatov, looking just the same with the rings on his fingers and the watch-chain with the curly black hair parted and pomaded with the smart waistcoat rather shabby coat and doubtful linen he was in a good humour at least he was smiling very gaily and good-humouredly his dark face was rather flushed from the champagne he had drunk What? you here he began in surprise speaking as though he'd known him all his life why razumihin told me only yesterday you were unconscious how strange and do you know i've been to see you raskolnikov knew he would come up to him he laid aside the papers and turned to zamitov there was a smile on his lips and a new shade of irritable impatience was apparent in that smile i know you have he answered i've heard it you looked for my sock and you know Razumihin has lost his heart to you. He says you've been with him to Louisa Ivanovna's. You know, the woman you tried to befriend, for whom you winked to the explosive lieutenant and he would not understand. Do you remember? How could he fail to understand? It was quite clear, wasn't it? Oh what a hothead he is. The explosive one? No, your friend Razumihin. You must have a jolly life, Mr. Zamatov. Entrance free to the most agreeable places who's been pouring champagne into you just now we've just been having a drink together you talk about pouring it into me by way of a fee you profit by everything raskolnikov laughed it's all right my dear boy he added slapping zamatov on the shoulder i am not speaking from temper but in a friendly way for sport as that workman of yours said when he was scuffling with Dmitri in the case of the old woman how do you know about it perhaps i know more about it than you do how strange you are i am sure you are still very unwell you oughtn't to have come out oh do i seem strange to you yes what are you doing reading the papers yes there's a lot about the fires no i am not reading about the fires here he looked mysteriously at zamitov his lips were twisted again in a mocking smile no i am not reading about the fires he went on winking at Zamatov. But confess now my dear fellow you're awfully anxious to know what i am reading about i am not in the least mayn't i ask a question why do you keep on listen you are a man of culture and education i was in the sixth class at the gymnasium said Zamatov with some dignity sixth class ah my cock-sparrow with your parting and your rings you are a gentleman of fortune foo what a charming boy here raskolnikov broke into a nervous laugh right in zamitov's face the latter drew back more amazed than offended Phew, how strange you are zamitov repeated very seriously i can't help thinking you are still delirious i am delirious you are fibbing my cock-sparrow so i am strange you find me curious do you yes curious shall i tell you what i was reading about what i was looking for see what a lot of papers i've made them bring me suspicious eh well what is it you prick up your ears how do you mean prick up my ears i'll explain that afterwards but now my boy i declare to you no better i confess no that's not right either i make a deposition and you take it i depose that i was reading that i was looking and searching he screwed up his eyes and paused i was searching and came here on purpose to do it for news of the murder of the old pawnbroker woman he articulated at last almost in a whisper bringing his face exceedingly close to the face of Zamatov. Zamatov looked at him steadily without moving or drawing his face away what struck Zamatov afterwards as the strangest part of it all was that silence followed for exactly a minute and that they gazed at one another all the while what if you have been reading about it he cried at last perplexed and impatient that's no business of mine what of it the same old woman raskolnikov went on in the same whisper not heeding zamatov's explanation about whom you were talking in the police office you remember when i fainted well do you understand now what do you mean understand what zamatov brought out almost alarmed raskolnikov's set and earnest face was suddenly transformed and he suddenly went off into the same nervous laugh as before as though utterly unable to restrain himself and in one flash he recalled with extraordinary vividness of sensation a moment in the recent past that moment when he stood with the axe behind the door while the latch trembled and the men outside swore and shook it and he had a sudden desire to shout at them to swear at them to put out his tongue at them to mock them to laugh and laugh and laugh you are either mad or began Zamatov, and he broke off as though stunned by the idea that had suddenly flashed into his mind or or what what come tell me nothing said Zamatov angrily it's all nonsense both were silent after his sudden fit of laughter raskolnikov became suddenly thoughtful and melancholy he put his elbow on the table and leaned his head on his hand he seemed to have completely forgotten zamatov the silence lasted for some time why don't you drink your tea it's getting cold said zamatov what oh tea oh yes raskolnikov sipped the tea put a morsel of bread in his mouth and suddenly looking at zamatov seemed to remember everything and pulled himself together at the same moment his face resumed its original mocking expression he went on drinking tea there have been a great many of these crimes lately said Zamatov. only the other day i read in the moscow news that a whole gang of false coiners had been caught in moscow it was a regular society they used to forge tickets oh but it was a long time ago i read about it a month ago raskolnikov answered calmly so you consider them criminals he added smiling of course, they are criminals. They? They are children. Simpletons, not criminals. Why, half a hundred people meeting for such an object. What an idea. Three would be too many. And then they want to have more faith in one other than in themselves. One has only to blab in his cups and it all collapses. Simpletons. They engaged untrustworthy people to change the notes. What a thing to trust to a casual stranger. Well, let us suppose that these simpletons succeed and each makes a million and what follows for the rest of their lives each is dependent on the others for the rest of his life better hang oneself at once and they did not know how to change the notes either the man who changed the notes took five thousand roubles and his hands trembled he counted the first four thousand but did not count the fifth thousand he was in such a hurry to get the money into his pocket and run away of course he roused suspicion and the whole thing came to a crash through one fool is it possible that his hands trembled Observed Zamatov. yes that's quite possible that i feel quite sure is possible sometimes one can't stand things can't stand that why could you stand it then no i couldn't for the sake of a hundred roubles to face such a terrible experience to go with false notes into a bank where it's their business to spot that sort of thing no i should not have the face to do it would you raskolnikov had an intense desire again to put his tongue out shivers kept running down his spine i should do it quite differently raskolnikov began this is how i would change the notes i'd count the first thousand three or four times backwards and forwards looking at every note and then i'd set to the second thousand i'd count that halfway through and then hold some fifty-rouble note to the light then turn it then hold it to the light again to see whether it was a good one i am afraid i would say a relation of mine lost twenty-five roubles the other day through a false note and then i'd tell them the whole story and after i began counting the third no excuse me i would say i fancy i made a mistake in the seventh hundred and that second thousand i am not sure and so i would give up the third thousand and go back to the second and so on to the end and when i had finished i'd pick out one from the fifth and one from the second thousand and take them again to the light and ask again change them please and put the clerk into such a stew that he would not know how to get rid of me when i'd finished and had gone out i'd come back no excuse me and ask for some explanation that's how i'd do it oh foo what terrible things you say said Zamatov, laughing but all that is only talk i dare say when it came to deeds you'd make a slip i believe that even a practised desperate man cannot always reckon on himself much less you and i to take an example near home that old woman murdered in our district the murderer seems to have been a desperate fellow he risked everything in open daylight was saved by a miracle but his hands shook too he did not succeed in robbing the place he couldn't stand it that was clear from the raskolnikov seemed offended clear why don't you catch him then he cried maliciously jibing at Zamatov. well they will catch him who you do you suppose you could catch him you've a tough job a great point for you is whether a man is spending money or not if he had no money and suddenly begins spending he must be the man so that any child can mislead you the fact is they always do that though answered Zamatov. a man will commit a clever murder at the risk of his life and then at once he goes drinking in a tavern they are caught spending money they are not all as cunning as you are you wouldn't go to a tavern of course raskolnikov frowned and looked steadily at Zamatov. you seem to enjoy the subject and would like to know how i should behave in that case too he asked with displeasure I should like to Zamatov answered firmly and seriously somewhat too much earnestness began to appear in his words and looks very much very much all right then this is how i should behave raskolnikov began again bringing his face close to Zamatov's again staring at him and speaking in a whisper so that the latter positively shuddered chapter six part one